What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Saturday episode of Flippin' Bats. Saturday with Smoltz. John Smoltz, the Hall of Famer for the Atlanta Braves, is about to join me. Today, we're going to talk about the New York Mets and what in the world is going on. They have a $340 million payroll, and they can't seem to figure it out. So we're going to talk to Smoltz all about that. Julio Rodriguez as well, what he sees with him. Last week, we talked about Juan Soto and what he saw with him. And lo and behold, Juan Soto, just as Smoltz said, has figured it out and Soto's playing well. So we're going to talk about Julio and what he sees out of him and what he thinks will happen in the future with Julio Rodriguez and as well as some brawls. We saw Bryce Harper and the Rockies and Phillies get into a benches clearing situation. I always love getting some stories from Smoltz and you best believe he has some fantastic stories with brawls and fights with his time in the major league. So without further ado, let's welcome him in now. Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Alright, and I am pumped to welcome in as always John Smoltz. John, how are you this week, my friend? Doing great. Relaxing. You can see a little rocking chair action, a little <laughs> relaxing on the porch. Uh having a uh, having a good week. I love that. So uh, let's get right to it. I, I want to ask you first about the New York Mets. I mean, a $340 million payroll for this season alone, historically high. And to be quite honest with you, they just are not a very good baseball team right now. What is going on, in your opinion, with the New York Mets? A little bit of continuity and getting their roster right, right? So they did a great job in, in putting the balance together what I thought would be depth. But again, injuries to the rotation create stress. And when your offense is not clicking and you're trying to patch together your your rotation, I don't care how much money you spend, you got to be healthy. And when they're healthy, they'll start rocking and rolling. I mean, they've had a pretty decent schedule they've gone through, but they also haven't beat some of the teams they're supposed to beat. And that's where the concern comes in. They're just not scoring. And when they when they get clicked, uh, I think you'll see them uh, be just fine. I, I am not ready to... Uh, to feel like this year is anywhere close to uh, a, a loss. I, I just think they have to, uh, they have to get healthy and they got to get going offensively. Cause that's really where their bread and butter is going to be. Their starting rotation and their offense are too good. And I, I make that the same case for the San Diego Padres. I think their two teams are in the same, they're in the same bucket of, of issues and whatever is going on on the inside, uh, I think they'll work it out as long as they stay or get healthy. So are you? there's no worry about the offense, in your opinion. I remember when the situation with Carlos Correa came about, and obviously you know what happened there. He didn't end up signing, obviously, because of the physical. But Steve Cohen at the time said, we needed one more bat, and this is the bat. Now, after that situation, they didn't go out and get anybody else because at that point it was too late. Do you think this offense is missing a piece, or do you think it's just not clicking yet? I just think it's not clicking. They've got they they put the ball in play better than most lineups. I think that's going to work itself out. Pete Alonso, of course, streaky hitter, home run hitter. I just think they have too many good players on their roster: Marte, McNeil, um, Nimmo, and of course Lindor. And I, I just 
I, I think it's a matter of time, and and certainly what the Braves are going through right now will cause a kind of a pause, meaning they're going through a really tough schedule. But if they were to get 10 games up on the Mets, then you start thinking about how they're going to get to the playoff spot, right? But I still think the division for the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves are, are still in balance because of what the Braves are going through this next 10 days. And, you know, let's face it, the Mets can't keep losing to teams that they should be winning series from. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the stretch of the season where you look at the schedule and you say this is a this is a spot where the Mets need to take advantage. They've gone, you know, Rockies, Tigers, Nationals, a very weak stretch of the schedule, and they've played it well under the 500 mark while the Braves are playing a very tough schedule at this point. So uh, I said this the other day, a weak part of the schedule is where you, you make a good record, a great record when you look back on a season. And it just feels like right now the Mets are missing out on some opportunities to get to that, to get to that high win total. Yeah, they definitely are. And, and that is something that I'm sure is frustrating for Mets fans, but they're very capable of beating great teams too. That's what they've put together. I mean, so uh, it, it frustrates you, but in the other other breath, you know what they went through last year, right? They lost a pretty significant lead to the Atlanta Braves. Um, they know that that's capable, and they also know they're capable of chasing down uh, the Atlanta Braves. So um, I wouldn't – if it gets to June and this team is still around 500 or under, then you can really be concerned. But May still time to kind of right the yeah. ship. Uh, when you start getting to June, you 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 start becoming who you are. Yep, uh, I, I agree with you there. Let's head out to the AL West and talk some Mariners and Julio Rodriguez. I I love Julio. I think he's one of the best players for the game of baseball. He's becoming a superstar in this league. Signed his big historic contract in the offseason after Rookie of the Year. But this year has been a struggle, more so of a struggle than we've ever seen from him in his short career, striking out more than we have ever seen from Julio. Um, so my question to you is, what do you see from Julio Rodriguez? Is it something at the plate? Is it too much pressure he's putting on himself after the contract? What do you see? Well, you know, this is the, the intrigue when all these analytics decide that long contracts are going to be done before they see anybody struggle. This is normal process of a young player going through an adaptation of what pitchers are doing. And I think no matter how great you are, and, I, and he is great, and I'm not saying the contract won't work out, but we give out so many contracts so fast to so many players that eventually there's going to be some of those hiccups where they don't play out the way they they say um, this, this particular player will. So it's natural. He's got to make adjustments. Pitchers make adjustments to him. Uh, every player in the history of the game goes through it. Even Mike Trout went through it. He just doesn't go through it very often. And that's the difference. And I've always said in this game, you give me a guy that struggles and he gets through it, you've got somebody you can count on for a long time. But if you just give me a guy who has had nothing but success and hasn't struggled yet and doesn't know what that's like, he's got to go through it. Yeah. Every player in the history of the game has gone through it. We just don't think – that these young players are capable of doing that because we've projected all these numbers on what they're going to do based on their great start. And let me tell you something, they're great, but some of them hadn't struggled yet and he's going through it. So it's, it's part of the process. How good do you think Julio Rodriguez 
can ultimately be. I know he's going through struggles right now, but to me, it looks like he has the makings of being uh, being an all-time great player in this league. And I know that's early to say after one season, but how good, when you watch Julio, or from what you've seen of him in his career, how good do you think this guy has the potential of being? Well, you know, he has a unique wiry strength to him, like an Eric Davis. Yeah, back in the day when Eric Davis came on the scene with the Reds, and he was a 40-40 guy almost every year, you could think. And then he, unfortunately, didn't stay healthy. Yeah. I think he's a guy that could steal 40 bases and hit 40 home runs. That, That's just how good he is. And, you know, in that ballpark and that team and where they're trying to go, they need Julio Rodriguez to be that kind of guy and have that kind of weaponry in their lineup. And I think once he figures out how to close certain doors and what pitchers are doing, he's going to be fine. Yep. Um, you know, slumps are not bad for young players to go through. Better, matter of fact, to go through them earlier is better than go through them uh, down the stretch when it matters the most. So, uh, I just think his bat is so quick uh, that he he's in a position, rarefied air, uh, of strength, speed. And I, I certainly think average, too, even though that's not what's happening yeah. at this point. John, you mentioned his contract and sort of the new what we're seeing teams do lately. While, while you see one good season, let's offer him a multi-multi-year deal. And the Braves really feel like they're the team that – kind of started doing this and you look at their roster now half the players are young and signed for a decade it feels like so I guess I'll ask you before we move on what is your opinion on these contracts when you see one handed out do you get a little like worried or weary about the the stent of the contract or how do you feel about these deals specifically that you see the Braves handing out as when a player's only been in the league for like a year yeah, no, it's a great thing for the players, right? I, I think, though, uh, analytically, they've convinced themselves that there's no bad deal that they've made. So um, I don't think that's going to come true. I think there's going to be deals that uh, don't live up to. It's, yeah. just, it's human nature. Yeah. I, I think you better know the player in and out very, very well. You better know that the carrot's still dangling, that he's going to produce I think there's some danger in it. Um, I understand the, the the theory and philosophy around it, but let me give you a perfect case scenario where it was well vetted and an, and a, I think a great contract. Austin Riley, because Austin Riley has been through everything in a short three years. They know what this player is. They know what he's when he's hot, when he's struggled, how he's come out of it. He wants to seemingly play every day. The guys that have one good year. I don't know. I mean, good for them. I mean, this is this is the, the beautiful thing about baseball and, and kind of the trends that are going on. If they're willing to give it, then, you know, the player has gets off to a good start, has that luxury in hand. But you don't know enough about some players that if seven years from now, six years from now, and then, you know, I get it, players, typically position players stay healthier – it's just a trend going on now, and the players are taking advantage of it. And hopefully, you know, the young player that gets off to a good start knows maybe there's a contract coming. That's an interesting point, though, because the Austin Riley situation, though on the surface seems like, oh, the Braves have done it again with these contracts. But his is a bit different because it was a couple of, it was a few years in. And what we saw right. from Austin Riley was him come up and be the best hitter in baseball for a very small stretch and then go through some of the toughest struggles you will ever see a player go through. And he, he hit those peaks, he hit those valleys, and then he came out of it, and then he's improved defensively. So what you're saying with the Austin Riley contract is you've seen him 
go through everything. You've seen him succeed. You've seen him struggle. You've seen him come out of it and continue to improve, right? Absolutely. And, you know, again, credit Michael Harris. He got off to a great start last year, but all the Braves know is last year, that's it. They yeah. don't know anything else. Uh, I think he's an under un, unbelievable player that works hard. So maybe they've done their homework in every case, but I'm just saying naturally every club yep. better know that player and better know that that player has got the work ethic and the desire to continue at that pace because typically you're working hard as you can to be an elite player to get to a rewarded situation. It just so happens now you can get rewarded after one year. And that's totally different than the way the game uh, has evolved. And the game has evolved to a young player's game. So you're basically thrust in and you better have the ability to adapt because you're going to get challenged by pitchers and and vice versa if you're talking about a pitcher by the hitters adjusting to you last one for you john this one i i'm hoping i get a good story out of you but over the last week we saw um bryce harper and the phillies and rockies end up in a brawl again not really a brawl but the term brawl is overused yeah. in, in baseball many times but the bench is cleared and it was all, a lot to do about nothing but harper was yelling at the fans and then ends up yelling at the opposing team bench is clear so you, and in your career, were you ever a part of any good baseball brawls or fights? I was. Um, it was at uh, Shea Stadium, and I was facing the Mets. It was an unfortunate situation with Ryan Thompson hitting a grand slam off of me after Ryan Klusko had made a couple errors to load the bases up. He hit an 0-2 hanger for a grand slam, and in my opinion – took forever to get around the bases. I mean, he was mired in a slump and he was enjoying it. And uh, certainly I don't have a problem with that, but it took a long time to get around the bases. <laughs> so I decided whoever was up next, I was just going to throw one inside because I wasn't going to stick around, you know, to, to, to pitch much longer after that. The yeah. grand slam kind of was knocking me out. So I put my head down. I didn't look up. And then as soon as I get ready to pitch and look up is John Cangelosi was at the plate and he, he stands two inches from the plate. So it hit him and he charged them out. And so now I'm in a position where I've got to do something. I you know, throw my glove down, get him in a headlock. We get down on the ground. I mean, I'm, we're both on the bottom of the pile. Charlie O'Brien, I think pulled him out and might've got a few licks in and we're at the bottom of the pile and, I know my dad at the time was in the second row watching all of this unfold. And Bobby Bonilla was screaming, and he was so mad. And he delivered one of the most classic lines after the brawl had kind of subsided and all the, you know, separated all the players. I got up off the bottom of the pile. And he yelled at me that I should have hit Ryan Klesko because he is the one that got me in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> And I got suspended for eight games, longest ever to get suspended at the time. It was kind of the era where there were a few too many brawls and the NL president was said enough. And he wanted to suspend pitchers for two starts. So I didn't think his math was very good because eight days is not two starts. Yeah. So I was going to appeal it, but I didn't Braves to let it go. And I got suspended for eight games on the cover of sports illustrated where I've got John Cangelosi in a headlock and you can see Charlie O'Brien coming right behind him. But you know, it, it wasn't, 
I wasn't doing anything malicious. I was trying to send a, a, a message that I didn't appreciate the the uh, two minute round trip or you know around the bag, and it just so happened Cangelosi was was two inches from the plate, so um, he he thought it was on purpose, so he came out to to attack me or you know it it all it all worked out and uh, but yeah, I was in that brawl and it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. What is going? through your head when somebody is charging the mound coming directly at you with some malicious intent in mind? Well, at this point, you know, I felt pretty good about standing my ground and seeing what he was going to do. I kind of moved one way and then grabbed him, you know, by the, by the neck and we went down to the ground and, um, you know, I just, I kind of was in shock that he was charging the mound, but I guess I understand it from his point of view. Once he got hit, he probably had nothing to do with the situation. So I kind of get it after the fact. But a pitcher in the moment, you know, back then, you 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 took care of matters the right way. Yeah. And usually they worked out. The brawls that got out of, out of control are the brawls that everyone determined, well, now it's our turn. And when it never ends, then, you know, guys are getting hit all the time. So our manager was not a fan of, of doing anything deliberately, Bobby Cox. And um, again, if you saw the, the, the pitch and, and where it was at his waist and really only like a couple inches off the plate, it wasn't like I had anything against John Cangelosi. So when I look back at it all, it probably looks worse for me than it does uh, when you're in the moment. Um, but I wasn't going to stick around long enough to uh, throw one up and in or yeah. against – Ryan Thompson, but it, 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 it happens in fast motion. And what I tell people <laughs> all the time, being on the bottom of a pile is not, not a great place to be. Yeah. Cause, uh, there's a lot of weight how do, how <laughs> on do, top of you. How does the thought of a headlock even come into play? Was it like Nolan Ryan esque where you're like, I've seen Nolan do this. I'm going to give it a shot. Well, John wasn't very big in, 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 in height. So, you know, <laughs> That he was about five, 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 six, and and I'm standing on the mound, and it's just a reaction. Um, you know, I didn't throw any punches or anything, but uh, it, it it certainly when when it happens, you're like, okay, now what? And you know, I just threw my glove down and <laughs> was ready for whatever came about. Now I did, I did, um, I did think I was preventing a brawl later in my career against the Phillies uh, when Paul Bird was pitching against us and Eddie Perez got hit a couple times on breaking balls. Mm -hmm. So I hit their shortstop um, just perfectly in the hip. No, no issues. They understood what was going on. And the umpire throws me out with no warning. And I went, I went nuts. I threw him out of the game. I started chucking <laughs> him. I said, no, you're out of the game. You got a lot of guys. It was a call-up at the time, Jerry Meals. And, you know, I, I, I just said, you incited a brawl. This was over. There would have been no issues. And then as soon as I got thrown out that very next inning, we got it. We got into a brawl with the Phillies and, and Paul Bird. So um, I tried my best to avoid that situation. But, um, yeah, those are two of the only real situations that I was involved in. I did not in my career hit a lot of guys. Yeah. That was not part of my game. I probably hit about as few guys you can hit to throw about 3,400 innings or whatever I threw. Um, Cause I just, unless I was told to do it, I, I there was no reason 
to hit somebody. I never hit anybody if I couldn't get them out. That was never going to be the case. And, uh, you know, at the National League, you got a bat, too. I got hit more than I should have gotten hit as a pitcher. And that that's not that doesn't feel good. So you told Jerry Mills that he just he's going to be the reason a brawl starts. You get a, you yep. get ejected. You're in the clubhouse. The brawl starts as you anticipated. How hard is it to sit in there and see this happening? And you just got to sit there and not run out on the field. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part. And, you know, it happened at home plate. Paul Bird and, and Eddie Perez are great friends. And it just was a misunderstanding. And and Paul Bird was trying to apologize and Eddie would have nothing of it and, <laughs> and just shoved them. And next thing you know, everybody's out there. And, you know, on our team, I, I, I kid with I mean, I love Ryan Klesko and he did make a couple errors that day. He was trying to play, at, you know, the outfielders learning the outfield. And it was he's a first baseman. But when you got Ryan Klesko on your team, you feel really good about brawls. And, uh, you know, we, we had a couple, we had a couple instances where we got in a brawl with the Los Angeles Dodgers and Darren Dreyfer who had hit Andre Scalaraga. And that was the wrong team to mess with. I mean, we were, we were kind of stacked with some big boys and, <laughs> you know, um, they, uh, and Darren Dreyfer didn't pitch much more after that because I think he did hurt his shoulder in that in that brawl, and that's the one risk you have in brawls because you got bodies flying around and you got egos and you got a lot of adrenaline going on and and uh, the but those are the I, I was I was part of I was part of a one of the nastiest ones ever uh, was with the Philadelphia Phillies and 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 Otis Nixon and that one was ugly and the reason that was ugly is I felt so bad for, for Tom Glavin because it was such a bad game with the guys being hit that Bobby said, hit the next guy up, no matter who it is. And lo and behold, I looked at the scorecard and went, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. It was Dale Murphy. <laughs> and we had had Dale Murphy forever. And I know Glav is the last thing he wanted to do. And Dale Murphy, before every pitch, was taking two steps back. Cause he knew what was coming and it looked really bad. Like you can't hit a moving target. I, I can, you can, as a pitcher, you can hit a batter if he doesn't know it's, it's coming, but you can't hit a guy if it's cut, if he knows it's coming. And it just, it was, I'm just saying to myself, better you than me, Glav. Cause I don't, I couldn't have hit Dale Murphy. <laughs> That's the greatest player. And one of the greatest guys in the world. And those were the, 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 the few brawls that uh, we got into over the years. John, Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for joining me. And wherever you are, it looks beautiful. So enjoy your time there, my friend. I sure will. Thanks. All right. Until next time. See you, buddy. All right. Thanks again to John Smoltz for joining me. I hope you all enjoy Saturday with Smoltz. It is one of my favorites. Love talking to him. Interesting hearing him talk about the new contracts being handed out in baseball because to me, it's always been an interesting conversation. I do get it from both sides, but as he said, they're not all bound to work. Somebody you're going to pay a bunch of money and it's not going to work out. Um, but it is good for the player to get their money up front. Uh, but an interesting conversation there for sure. As well as the brawl story. When he starts going with stories and doesn't stop, it is my favorite time talking to him. Just hearing about Bobby Cox and Ryan Klesko and Dale Murphy and all of the fights that happened. Ah, it's great. I love Saturday with Smoltz and I hope you all do as well. Thank you all for listening. To this episode of Flipping Bats. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch everything on YouTube as well at Flipping Bats Pod. 
for all of them. That does it for this Saturday episode. Until Monday, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats.